Right, we can all turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. <coughs> 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another beautiful Sunday. Thank you we can all gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you Christ is the head of our church. And help us, Father, to come now and listen and for me to preach in honour of Christ, who is head of our church. But we also want to bring you great glory, Father. You know what goes on in our hearts. You see our hearts. You see what we cannot see. Have mercy upon us. But help me now, Father, to be clear and understood. Help us to examine our hearts, to see if we are practising unrighteousness in our lives, or if we are practising righteousness. Do we still continue in sin, or are we now practising righteousness? So, Father, please, give me the words to be clear and understood, but help us to search our hearts so we can see what is in them. Help us, Father. But thank you now for the Scriptures. Thank you again. We have the sacred Scriptures before us. Help me now to be clear and understood, but help us to listen and go out the door and apply what we hear to our daily lives. Not just be mere hearers, but doers of the Word as well. Help us, Father. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I'm going to continue with our Christian lifestyle. God saves us and we have a new lifestyle. It's a Christian lifestyle. The question then to all of us, to myself, is what does a Christian lifestyle look like? What does your Christian's lifestyle look like? What should a Christian lifestyle look like? Maybe you don't have any idea what the Christian lifestyle should look like. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you assume you're a Christian and you can carry on living as you please and that's the Christian lifestyle because you know yourself as a Christian because you know God. But our lifestyle should reflect who we are as a Christian in Christ, either for the real thing or as a pretender. 
By the word lifestyle, I mean the lifestyle of a particular person or group of people is the behavior and the habits that are typical of them. And a Christian lifestyle has behavior and habits that show that we are Christians, that show our Christian lifestyle in Christ Jesus. Who are we as Christians according to God's word? Who are we as Christians? Well, Peter helps us to understand it in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a holy people for God's possession. We've been bought with the precious blood of Christ and we're not our own. He owns us. And now we have a certain way to live, to proclaim His excellencies, verbally or through our Christian lifestyle. And Peter is calling us to proclaim His excellencies to this dark world which will require us to live a godly Christian lifestyle. Like someone said, this is the most effective foundation for making the gospel attractive and believable. The lost don't know the excellencies of God, but they should see them in our Christian lifestyle. Just reading around is a beautiful quote. The world takes its notions of God most of all from the people who say that they belong to God's family. They read us a great deal more than they read the Bible. They see us. They only hear about Jesus Christ. We are a walking Bible. We talk it and we live it through our Christian lifestyle. And if we live it, then hopefully people will come and ask us for the hope that is in us. And we give them and tell them about the hope that is in us with kindness and gentleness and love. The Christian lifestyle is a walking advertisement for the blessings of the Christian lifestyle. We either show people how beautiful this Bible is by living the Christian lifestyle, or we show them that it's a lot of rubbish. We contradict ourselves. Now, you'll see... What I'm saying is that John has not called us to not sin. We do sin, but we still live the Christian lifestyle through our sin, by confessing our sin and forgiveness. But somebody is watching us. Somebody is watching you and me as I live this Christian lifestyle out there. And they're waiting for us to trip up. See, I told you he wasn't a Christian. Christians don't behave like that. But Christians do sin. But Christians do not practice sin. There's a big difference, and we'll see that as we get into this sermon more. Somebody is watching us. Therefore, we need to let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Walk as children of the light. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Walk as children of the light. That's the only way that people will see our light shining if we are living a Christian lifestyle. 
Our lifestyle will reveal who and what we truly are. We are either a Christian, the real thing, or a Christian, the pretender. You can't be both. And if you notice in this passage, the word practice comes up nearly in every single verse except for verses 5 and 6. Verse 4, 7, 8, 9, and 10, the word practice comes up. You're either practicing unrighteousness, or you're practicing sin, which is unrighteousness, or you're practicing righteousness, which is the right way to live before God. So before I continue with our second fact from 1 John chapter 3, verse, verses 4 to 10, to help us to see what the Christian lifestyle looks like, to challenge us to walk out this church this morning, and live the Christian lifestyle according to Scripture. Let's just recap on our first fact. And the first fact to see what the Christian lifestyle looks like is we don't practice sin. We sin, but we don't practice sin. And we see this in verses 4 to 10 or 1 John chapter 3. John is not for one moment saying that a true Christian never sins. We are not sinless. We must know that we do sin but we don't practice sin if you are practicing sin you will not inherit the kingdom of god says paul in galatians chapter 5 i think around about verse 18. what john is saying in verse 4 of 1 john chapter 3 is that christians do not make sinning a practice john wants us and his readers Little children, let no one deceive you, he says that in verse 7, because there are false teachers in their midst that are saying, you're saved, live as you please. You're safe, you're going to go to heaven. You don't sin anymore when God saves you, live as you please. Is that true? Well, we see, yeah, it's not true. It's not true. And no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. And we'll see that now as well when we get to our second fact like i said our lifestyle will reveal who and what we truly are if we are practicing sin as a christian then we need to know who we truly are the children of the devil and what we truly are a liar a pretender there are two types of children in this world there's the children of satan and there's the children of our heavenly father the children of the devil and the children of God. Two types of people in this world. The non-Christian, the Christian. The unbeliever, the believer. The child of Satan, the child of God. And if you want to hear more of what I've said about this, you're welcome to go and listen to last week's sermon where I fleshed it out a lot more. What it means that we must not practice sin. Scripture warns us when Peter Sorry, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 27. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. I mean, the, the author of Hebrews and Home Fellowship Group will know this. We've been spending some time in, in Hebrews. But it says here, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? 
For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. If you continue practicing sin, you're going to fall into the hands of the living God. Unless you come to your senses and repent. Because if you are practicing sin, then we know that... Um, that in 2 Timothy chapter 2... When Paul says to Timmy, if you're going to go to people and correct them and, and help them to, to escape the snares of the devil, you go in gentleness. And the last verse he says, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So if you say, if you say you're a Christian and you're practicing sin, you are being taken captive by Satan once again to do his will. And rebellion can take place outwardly and inwardly. Like I said last week, outwardly people see how we behave as Christians. They see if you, if you get angry with people when you shouldn't. They, they see if you become impatient with people when you shouldn't. They see how you are loving people and not loving people. Because if you come here next week, Lord willing, we're going to move into some really deep practical stuff. And if you want to know if you're a Christian, then you just go through verses 11 to 24 between now and next week. And look, are you loving? Are you loving? So outwardly, people are watching. Outwardly, how are we behaving? They can see how we talk. How, how we talk is so important. Um, Ephesians 5 says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. As a Christian, when you're around your non-Christian friends, what kind of verbal conversation do you get caught up in? And, and if they're talking in a dirty way, do you get caught up in that and follow them? And just go along with it? Or do you stand back and shine your light? Because we need to know we can't practice sin. And inwardly, I told you that story. Inwardly is what God sees what's going on in your heart. You can still get angry with someone, but you can hide it in your heart, which God sees. And man doesn't see. Or like that story I, I always tell you, there's that young girl whose dad tells her to sit down and she won't sit down. She keeps standing up. He comes back 10 minutes later and he tells her to sit down because she's, still, she's standing. He turns his back, he goes out. 15 minutes later, he comes back. And he tells her to sit down because she's standing up again. But when she sits down the third time after being told the third time to sit down, she sits down, she looks at Dad and says, Dad, guess what? I'm standing up in my heart. See, what does God see? What does God see? So you can practice sin. Outwardly, we all see that. Inwardly, only God sees that. How can we sin? Because the good news is that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins. And he also appeared to destroy the works of the devil. And if we call ourselves Christians, then we need to stop practicing sin. Because it shows that we are not of God, but of the devil. You know what John's message is here to us? Look at your Christian lifestyle, friend. 
Look at your Christian lifestyle. Verses 4 to 10. What is your Christian lifestyle like? Is it one of practicing sin or is it one of practicing righteousness? And if you are practicing sin, then guess what? We're going to keep on presenting our members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But instead, we are to present ourselves as God, to God as those who have been brought from death to life and our members to God as instruments for righteousness. So this first fact that we just touched on, that tells us that the true Christian lifestyle does not practice sin. Examine your heart and see if you are practicing sin still. Living in sin habitually. Because we should be practicing righteousness, which brings us to our second fact. And the second fact to see what the Christian lifestyle looks like is we practice righteousness. Not perfectly. Connie has gone to be with the Lord. Practiced righteousness. Not perfectly. God used her through her imperfections. And we're going to see this now in verses 4 to 10 of 1 John chapter 3. Now earlier on I read verse 13 of Romans chapter 6. But I want us to back up to verse 11. If you've got the book of Romans open before you, just turn to chapter 6. And start at verse 11. And that verse 13 that I read, it will come to your mind now. It's in the middle and then we'll read through to verse 14. But listen to this. Romans chapter 6 verse 13. Starting at verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Verse 13. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Now you might be asking, why did I go back to this verse? Why did I go back to verse 11 and read from there? Because it tells us, if we are a Christian, we are dead to sin. We are dead to practicing sin. Don't be confused. We still sin. But we are not living in the old self anymore. The old way that we used to live and how we behaved and how we spoke. We are dead to sin. Dead to practicing sin. But now we are alive to God. And we put on the new clothes. The clothes of righteousness. We put on compassion, love, humility, kindness, goodness. And now we practice righteousness. We are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We have died to sin and we've been raised to new life with Jesus Christ. And go do this exercise during the week when you go to the book of Colossians and then you read chapter 3. It's such a beautiful passage because in chapters 1 to 2, Paul has given us doctrine. And doctrine doesn't die in the head. It becomes alive through our hands, our eyes, our mouths, our feet. It comes alive. It becomes practical. It's not theology and it just ends there. It's practical theology that is worked out in our lives. So if you go and do this exercise, you can start with chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above. That's chapter 3, verse 1. Then you go down to verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly. And he gives a whole list there. 
And in verse 8, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, sorry, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie. Wow, how many Christians lie today still? And they say they're genuine Christians, but they lie. God hates a liar. In one of the Psalms, there's seven or five things that God hates, and one of them is a liar. And I, and I, I stand to correction if I say this now, but I know when John MacArthur was parenting his children, they would get double punishment when they lied. Because God hates a liar. What do you think false teachers are doing? They're blatantly lying about God's word. But he says in verse 9, now you've put off, now I've got put on the new self which has been renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. And so he goes on. Get God's word to richly indwell you. Sing psalms and spiritual songs to one another. And let God's word richly indwell you. And help one another. And be patient with one another. And love one another. This word, and Mark mentioned John Piper. And John Piper is, is so true. This word needs to be treasured in our heart. We need to embrace the riches of Christ in our heart. And run with it. And show the world this great Lord and Savior we serve through our Christian lifestyle. And if we limp and we weaken it, as long as you're not practicing sin, you can ask God to forgive you and help you as you work through your sins that cause you to stumble. We must put to death and put off all the old self and put on the new self. Live the new life in righteousness to God's glory. Because for now as Christians, we present ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death, death to sin, but to life, to life in Christ, and our members to God as instruments for righteousness. We have such a beautiful religion, you could say, in the true sense. Christianity, practical Christianity, where we are living simple lives, learning about God, learning about ourselves, and then we take that and we send it out into the world through our lifestyle, our Christian lifestyle. And I struggle with this myself. So don't think I have arrived and have this all worked out. This passage has been challenging to me. John, I thought it would be a lovely love letter. It's in your face. Next week you're going to see. Are you loving people? Is God in your heart? And you pray to Him with confidence. Well, let's carry on here. Whose righteousness is it we carry? Well, we're carrying Jesus' righteousness. It was His righteousness that was given to us through the atoning death on the cross for us to show His righteous character through our Christian lifestyle. And it's God's grace that helps us. That's what verse 14 is saying. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. It's God's grace that saves you and it's God's grace that gives you the strength, the wisdom to deny ungodliness and to live godly lives and practice righteousness. And it's Christ's righteousness that we are carrying. Not a cheap righteousness. It's not a cheap grace. But it's free. But it cost Him. Jesus. Because Jesus appeared in order to take away sins and to destroy the works of the devil. And this was all accomplished on the cross. 
For our sake he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And whose righteousness is imputed to us? Christ's righteousness. The children of God practice righteousness because no one born of God makes a practice of sin. That's what it's telling us in 1 John chapter 3. Why? No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Why? For God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. What is this telling us? If you are truly born again, God's seed abides in you and eventually you will not continue practicing those sins. Because why? The, the Christ is in your heart, the Holy Spirit is in your heart and now you have a love for his word and you want his word to sanctify you and cleanse you and transform you more into Christ's likeness so you no longer practice sin but you practice righteousness. And we take this righteousness into the world. It's amazing that John gives us quite a mouthful. Marcus started on that. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning. Now, doesn't it's amazing that John doesn't sit down now and say, this is what it means to be born of God. Go read John chapter 3. That's what it means to be born of God. He's not focusing on that. He's interested in how are you living out your born-again life. His focus is on practical. He's interested, his interest is more of a practical sense than a theological, academic sense. That's why he says, God's seed abides in you. And you cannot keep on sinning because you have been born of God. True Christians will sin. But true Christians do not practice sin. We have to believe what God's word says here. We have to turn back to the authoritative word of God, to the sacred scriptures. We either believe what God's word says or we don't. And we just push it aside all the time. And, it, and just justify our sins and bring up excuses about our sins. God has has graciously saved us and put, us, put His Spirit in us. His Word abides in us. His Spirit abides in us. Why? To help us. We cannot do it alone. The Holy Spirit's our helper. He's our teacher. And He helps us not to practice unrighteousness, but to help us practice righteousness, doing the right things before God, giving Him glory and honour. Because when God saves us, He planted His seed of new life in our souls. And God's seed abides in us. You can say the Holy Spirit abides in us. And if you still don't believe me, I'm going to read you a beautiful passage from Peter's first letter. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. We're saved through this beautiful word. It saves us. The Holy Spirit saves us. And He brings God's word to us. He brings Christ to us. And He makes Christ's glory and riches seen. Because we were blinded by the God of the age. And, he's, and His spirit abides in us. And His word abides in us. But we've got to keep feeding, growing that seed. The same thing 
youth, you, yeah, you know, if you plant a seed and you just left it, no water, no sun, no food, what will happen to that seed? It'll die. But if you start giving it a bit of water, a bit of fertilizer, a bit of sun, eventually it starts sprouting and it blossoms into whatever you had there. An apple seed, a beautiful apple tree, and it can feed you apples if you look after it. But if you neglect it, you'll get fraught apples. But if you feed it and look after it, you'll get beautiful, fruitful apples. And it's the same with us. If we neglect God's Word, and we don't let it to grow the seed that is in us, we'll be unfruitful. We'll be bad fruit. And I think it's in the Gospel somewhere. How will you know them? By their fruit. So if we're practicing righteousness, we'll be bearing good fruit because we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. At our new birth, God gave us a new heart with new affections and new desires. And Piper says this, God overcomes all our resistance. He opens the eyes of our heart and makes Christ so real and so beautiful and so compelling that our world gladly embraces Christ as Saviour and Lord and treasure. And then we start practicing righteousness. Yes, we might practice a few sins when God saves us initially. But if we're using God's Word to work on that, we no longer will practicing that sin three or four years later as a Christian. We'll be practicing righteousness. We still might fall into those sins, but we'll be practicing righteousness. But if you've been saved five years ago and you're still practicing sin, and that's all you're practicing, you're not allowing God to help you so you can practice righteousness, you must examine your heart. We have to listen to what God's Word says. We have to listen to what John says. Someone said the new birth involves such radical change at the heart of our experience that whereas sin used to come naturally to us, now it is unnatural to continue to sin. Because the love of Christ that is in our heart starts stirring us up to do things that are lovely and righteous. And as we close, it's quite blatant. Verse 10. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Well, then John is wise. He moves on to verse 11. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Well, he puts us in our place. So if you're not loving your brother and sister out there, or yes, to start with, and you're not practicing righteousness, then you still might be a child of the devil, not of God. So Lord willing, we will look at more practical examples of what it means to be, to be practicing righteousness and loving our brother. Because verses 11 to 18, 11 to 18 and then 19 to 24 opens up a whole new window to the Christian lifestyle. So the second fact that we looked at to see what the Christian lifestyle looks like is, are you practicing righteousness? Are you the person out there that you love in word and talk? Because John says in between, I think it's verse 18, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. In works and truth. Not just words. We must love in deed and truth. So this morning, 
these two facts that we've looked at from 1 John chapter 3 verses 4 to 10 we don't practice sin but you can go listen to last week's sermon if you want it more fleshed out we don't practice sin we practice righteousness why did we look at these two points these two facts to see what the Christian lifestyle looks like hopefully these two facts have challenged us to to go out that door to leave this building to go into the community and stop practicing sin but start practicing righteousness so that the unbelieving world may see us walking as children of light because Jesus on the cross we're going to look at that Jesus on the cross died to set us free from sin for us to become slaves of God dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus to live a true Christian lifestyle in Him let's pray Father we thank you for your word at times it it's a great rebuke a great sting to our hearts convicts us of our sin but help us father not to to sit here this morning and think of other christians who are not practicing righteousness but help us to sit here this morning and examine our own lives to see what are we practicing either sin unrighteousness or righteous living rightly before god forgive us father help us to to really deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow christ to practice righteousness help us father we want to be seen as children of god we want to be seen as loving one another we want to be seen as practicing righteousness walking rightly with you in this dark perverse world but forgive us father when we sin but help us please father if we are practicing sin May we be bold enough and go to a Christian and tell them we're caught up in this, we're struggling with this. May we be bold so we can help one another finish this race clothed in Christ's righteousness because we will be judged in righteousness. Help us, Father. Be merciful, be gracious to us. Thank you again for John's first letter. What a loving man to share the truth, to speak the truth and let us know what it means to be a child of God or a child of the devil. It's your word and you have called us to be holy like you are holy. Have mercy upon us, Father. Help us now when we come to the Lord's Supper to, to reflect on, on are we living according to the gospel of Christ, the scriptures. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.